Welcome to the Signpost Inn podcast, a space at life's crossroads for a refreshing pause and a bit of reflection. My name is Brandon, and I'm really glad you're here. I invite you to join me and my friends, Matt and Peter, for a friendly back porch conversation about prayer, Christian spirituality, faithful theology, and much more. So pull up a chair, grab a drink, and get comfortable as we start today's show. And when we're done, don't forget to visit us at signpostend.org to find out more about all that our ministry offers. Welcome, everybody, to The Back Porch. I'm excited today to have a friend of mine, Shell Odom, with me. She's the founder of A Radical Relationship, as well as a life coach. So I'm kind of excited to talk to you, Shell, about what you do, what life coaching is, and you've also got a pretty cool, uh, pretty interesting uh, testimony about your life and how God has worked in your life. So I want to talk to you about that, too. But first of all, welcome. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Before we launch into all the stuff, can you just briefly tell us, you know, who you are and and what is a radical relationship? And also just whatever else about that, like how long has it been around and what what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Shell Odom. I'm located in Memphis, Tennessee, which um, is basically where I'm from. I'm from a little country town, Rossville, Tennessee, about uh, 30, 40 minutes outside of the city. Um, so country girl at heart. I went to the University of Tennessee here locally and got my bachelor's in psychology. And from there, spent about seven years in the health insurance industry and sales. And then that's kind of where all of the things started to emerge. I had grown up Christian pretty much all my life, but what I call a cultural Christian. And it wasn't until 2014 that I say Jesus was truly Lord of my life. And I just really understood that significant difference between like calling myself a Christian and Jesus actually being Lord. And so, as you know, a huge part of my testimony is the fact that I've gone through a divorce and I I think we'll get into a little bit of that. And so through a lot of that experience after making Jesus Lord in my life, really just felt this tug that like, man, I understand that women can be really interested in romantic relationship and have so many questions about that. And I was just like, man, I really want to point them back to the relationship that matters, though. And so that was kind of the idea that a radical relationship was born out of back in 2015, just as a blog, where I would just mm. casually get on uh, WordPress and I would blog about my experiences in my dating relationship, but also how that translated over into my relationship with God. And so that's where a radical relationship had its beginnings there. I was in Richmond, Virginia at the time. And then over the last years has just continued to evolve as my life evolved. Uh So been very much so a natural progression from that standpoint, as opposed to any planned activity on my part. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that is a great segue. I mean, you've brought it up, so I don't feel bad asking. And I know it's actually part of your... Like it's yeah. right on the top of your website, you know, from divorce to redemption yeah. and that it's, I think that you're, that the ministry is connected to, is certainly born out of this, uh, your own experiences with dating, with relationships. I, I really want to talk to you about all of that stuff. <laughs> so can yeah. you give us the, you don't have to give us the short version, but can you maybe back us up a little bit to what got you to the place 
in your previous relationship, where that went, how you, you know, what happened through the divorce and how that, how God's worked through that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned that I'd grown up Christian. I, my mom had me at the age of 16 and she and my stepdad, who is my dad, they got married early 20s and kind of grew up together or just figuring it out. So I didn't necessarily have that Christian godly example of a couple in the home and just that example of how God intended things to be and didn't see that a lot in my family. That that wasn't kind of what was as pervasive. It was really unhealthy dynamics that were more pervasive. And so when I got into my my dating relationship, I was just checking all the boxes that I thought were the boxes that I was supposed to check to make God most happy. Waiting to kiss until my wedding day, you know, and, and being sure to be absolutely pure in, in every single front. Being sure that I dated somebody who was within my church mm-hmm. and in my network of churches and, and that should be a, a safe option. So I was just I was just doing the things I knew to do, even through the premarital process, being sure that we went through premarital counseling with the church. All of the things that are just like, man, as far as I know, this is what I should be doing as a good Christian woman striving towards marriage. And so I checked all of those boxes and unfortunately still saw that all kind of come tumbling down. And so as I'm as I'm seeing my marriage fall apart, as I'm coming to the realization that, man, this probably isn't going to work out, like either God is going to step in drastically here or, you know, I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life because I I didn't think that divorce was going to be an option for me biblically. I was just like, okay, either God is going to step in or I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life. And so I ended up making a decision to initiate a separation, hopeful that that would lead to some form of repentance and us being able to have some necessary conversations to kind of reset things. But during um, that process, he chose to initiate a divorce. And so through that, just really started seeking God because there was so much confusion on my end. I was trying to, again, do the right thing of seeking a lot of advice, but I often found that even a lot of the advice within the church was divisive of if if I should keep fighting for this thing or if I should let it go and just what my part was in all of this. And so I began to be so confused that I was just like, all right, I just got to seek God for myself. I don't even know how I ended up here to begin with because I did everything I know to do. I'm going to trusted advisors in my life and they don't even agree on what this is supposed to look like. This is just a hot mess. Oh. <laughs> I need to hear from the story. And so yeah. I started seeking God more intimately for myself and saying, God, you answer my questions. And he did. He started to really expose um, so many of the just common practical things that were not addressed that led to the divorce for both of us. A lot just tied back to familial patterns and traumas and relationship with parents that while the church was very great at equipping us how to be good disciples, there were just very practical things that we had not dealt with that the church also didn't really mention because mm-hmm. it's not super spiritual, you know, and you're not going to find yeah. it in the in the Bible that we had just not tackled. And, and we saw the manifestations of that coming up in our marriage. And so through that process, just continue to seek God about, you know, where do I go from here? Because I had started that blog and then through my marriage, I started a YouTube channel. And that YouTube channel was really a way of me being able to grieve because I was able to be transparent about 
the fact that, hey, marriage is hard and this isn't going well and this is what God is teaching me. And so now I kind of felt like, oh, shoot, I thought I was going to be able to come back with a success story, but mm. it's not happening that way. So what am I supposed to tell people? Because everything has been about my faith in God in this process. And so I continue to seek God just around how he wanted me to continue to move forward. Um, and it was at that point that life coaching was placed on my heart. And so I, I was obedient and I um, found a Christian life coaching program and got certified, not even expecting to start a life coaching business. I really don't know what I was going to do with the certification. I just knew that God told me to get certified. <laughs> and so I did it. Yeah. But through that program, they taught you about creating a business. And so I came out of it with the business model, even though I didn't intend to. So I tell people, God kind of bamboozled me into starting a life coaching business. And so it was at that point that a radical relationship became a life coaching business back in 2021, I guess it was. In these last couple of years, even leading up to the last few months, I've just now started to marry the fact that I'm doing ministry and I'm running a business and it being okay mm. for both to exist. And so I'll say that a radical relationship is a coaching ministry because we do still have that life coaching component, you know, that profit model, business model built in. But it's really really with ministry at the heart because there are so many things that we do that's truly just about telling our story in hopes of being able to mm -hmm. help other men and women deter <laughs> from making the same mistakes that we did. Yeah. One of the things you said that really captured my attention was that the the practical things that you just didn't have, I guess, support for or training for. Do you mind being a little, can you say more about that? Maybe a little more specific. What are some of the practical things that you ran into in that relationship that you didn't know what to do with? Yeah. So one thing that I'll call out is the fact that neither one of us had ever been in counseling in our life and we didn't come from good family dynamics. So there was nothing or anyone that said like, hey, <laughs> have you ever even just acknowledged kind of like the family background that you come from and all of the unhealthy patterns you've seen your entire life? Have you even acknowledged that with anybody to kind of bring that to the forefront to even think through how that may impact? We had a lot of conversation about how to combine our worlds and premarital counseling from a spiritual perspective, but not the impact of what you're even bringing into. And it's one of those things that like, if you don't know, you don't know. And so mm. for me, I had grown up in an unhealthy environment where I had seen infidelity in my parents' marriage. And so I'm responding in my marriage to relationships that he has with other women from that place, unbeknownst to me that I'm responding from that place. In my mind, it just makes completely sense what I'm asking for. And then he's responding to me from a, a certain place based on his trauma, unbeknownst to him as to why he's pushing back or something that yeah. makes sense to me. So a simple tool like that, that like we didn't have that tool in our tool belt to be able to say, ah, this is probably the root of that. Let's do with that first and help him better understand why she'll feel so strongly about this so that that can then inform how they can help one another move forward. Everything was just through the eyes of being a good Christian and what it looked like to repent, which meant like be more godly. But it wasn't really dealing with the root of the issue. It was just be more godly. Mm -hmm. And that just, mm -hmm. that just didn't help. So yeah. those sorts of things that's like, what are your expectations being informed by 
that you are requesting of one another in this marriage? Why does he prefer she'll be more like this and she'll prefer he not respond like this? And we didn't have, again, those communication tools to be able to get to the bottom of that. And so it just appeared that the other person was the issue because in my mind, because you won't change, you are the reason why I feel this way as opposed to making the appropriate connection. So that's one example. Yeah. And it sounds like, sounds like be more godly or whatever the intentions were behind that sort of sounded like just try harder, just, just be a better person and don't actually deal with what was really causing the issues. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that it's important because I think it's important that pastors and ministers and churches understand that that they may they may be ill-equipped for that job. That just mm-hmm. because you're a pastor or you're a shepherd or you're a minister does not mean that you're equipped to deal with people in that way. And so in humility, I think there should be partnerships with community organizations or individuals within the church that do have more of that background, because I think that pastors kind of step into roles that they're just not equipped for great with the premarital counseling, and that's necessary. But there's just so many layers that don't fall under the role of pastor that also need to be acknowledged. Yeah. And that, and I know there's some, you know, there's something that we've talked about on our, on this podcast before is there's there is a still in some places of some parts of the Christian world that are very skeptical of, you know, psychology or counseling. And I understand why, but yeah, it sometimes isn't very helpful to see people struggling and just say, well, the problem is you're just selfish. I mean, yes. Okay. Fair enough. But, but why? Yeah. And like you said, what are the, what's the, the family history, the personal history that's playing into that, that mm-hmm. you don't even know. Mm-hmm. How, how old were you when you got married that first time? Um, 24. Okay. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I wasn't much, much younger than you. I mean, and yeah, I just, I, I'm always struck by the, like, it's a good thing, but just how dumb I was when I got married. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. I, I, I guess that's, I mean, I'm sort of resonating. I'm not saying you were dumb. I'm just being like resonating with the, like, I didn't, there was a lot of tools I didn't have. Yeah. And I didn't, didn't know where to go to get them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And so tell me a little bit about the story then from how you, how did God get you from just be more godly to, hey, there's things that are, there's there's reasons there's family history there's you're you're hearing things the wrong way how did what's the story of how god moved you from just try harder to actually it sounds like more compassion both for yourself and for others absolutely yeah so one of my friends actually who uh is a a licensed counselor she um sent me a um online workshop around codependency with her mm. kind of therapist hat on. She was like, man, I, I ran across this. I think that based on what I've been hearing, you share about your experience in your marriage that you could really benefit from listening to this. And so I go online to YouTube. I watch a couple of videos and, and immediately struck and I buy the book. And in the book um, around codependency, the author, and it's a workbook, is really 
walking you through how when two people come together, they're kind of bringing both of these worlds. And and usually there's someone who is the codependent person who likes coming to the rescue and someone who may have more of that addict- addictive personality where they like someone coming to their rescue. It's like usually that can be the dynamic. And I could just see us all over that. I, I really related to being that person who is always the one coming to the rescue. That was my dynamic in my family. That was dynamic in friendships. I had always mm-hmm. been that person, never saw it as an issue. But mm-hmm. when it was explained like that and how one, that's idol worship. <laughs> when you are always stepping in God's place to come to someone's rescue and how that can be detrimental for a relationship when those patterns start to be pervasive. And so that really opened up my eyes to where I went, oh, we're not just to people who suck at relationships. There are so many things that are going on who past events that have informed who we are today that are just continuing to do it. But now in this heightened relationship, the results are much different because they don't actually work and it's not healthy. But in a friendship, yeah. it doesn't seem so bad. In a relationship with your right. mom, dad, it maybe doesn't seem so bad. But then in mm-hmm. a marriage where you have different expectations of the person, all of the unhealthy things are being brought to light that were honestly there all along. But because the nature of the relationship wasn't so high, you didn't see it as unhealthy as it was. You kind of just took it as that's who I am and that's who they are. And that's how our friendship or relationship works. And so it was a whole workbook, maybe 10 to 12 chapters that I just walked through in my time with God every single day. And COVID had hit, so I was committed. Like I had all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah. Through this. And yeah, that workbook, it was it was the first workshop that I did through a radical relationship on codependency, just really highlighting that, man, there are so many unhealthy behavioral patterns at play that we need to identify and dig up to lay new foundation. And that was kind of honestly the trigger and the onset for me. Yeah. Can you, can you define codependency? Just like what, when you say it, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So to be codependent is kind of to be tied together in an unhealthy way where, where one person really views themselves as I'm coming to the rescue. I'm the one that gets things done. I'm the one that makes things happen. And then you have another person who really feeds off of that person in an unhealthy way to say, man, I I don't do things the way that I should. And I don't show up in the way that I should because I know this person is always going to show up. They're always going to be the one to pick up the lack. And so two people who are codependent are in that kind of relationship where one person is always picking up the slack and they kind of thrive on being the rescue. And another person is like, great, so glad I have you because I'm not stepping up to the plate that I need to. And that becomes the relationship dynamic, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And, and that for you, and I am, what I'm hearing is like, that can turn very dark. That can be very unhealthy because if I, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but like the person who needs to be the helper, the one that's picking up the slack sort of develops resentment towards the other one who never picks up slack. Exactly. And the one who's like, needs to be the one whose slack's being picked up develops resentment towards the one because now they're, they're constantly kept in a perpetual state of neediness. Exactly. And you, you end up blaming the other one for the thing exactly. you're doing to yourself. Exactly. And, and okay. you, don't, you don't always acknowledge that like you get some kind of boost from being whichever of those individuals that you are. Like it, it, 
it does something for you. You you like it to some degree, although like there's also something in you saying, but I wish the other person would. But it's like, but you're enabling them to do it. And so it's that repetitive yeah. cycle. Like, I kind of like being the person that people lean on, but I also wish y'all would do more. And it's like, well, but you keep picking up the slack. So they're not going to do more. So you like it a little bit, but you're also presenting them. Gosh, Shell, that's so like, the more I learn about these things and get and talk to people who are, are open about their stuff, it's like it's... These are all like little microcosms of of universal problem, right? Yeah. Like we 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 design our own hells, for lack of a better term. Like we we and and resentment seems to be one of those things that carries through all of these things. Where you know, in my own story, there's like resentment. There's that old saying that resentment is that poison pill. Like it's a poison you you want to give someone else but you're actually taking yourself mm -hmm. and i hear that cycle in the kind of codependent mix which is you really want to be the one that takes care of everybody and i think that's what you meant by like the idol worship right like you're yeah. you get your sense of identity from being the one who's the helper yeah but then everybody's always got to have a piece of you right yeah and i think <clears throat> part of that vicious cycle is that that identity developed in me from being kind of forced into it at a young age, as opposed to it being something that I sought after, unbeknownst, mm. right? But then when, when God will take me back through my childhood, as I'm unpacking all this, I'm like, oh, I, I, I grew up being put in positions that a young girl should never have to and, have, and choosing to rise to that occasion, even though it should have never been my occasion to rise to. And so now that has really shaped my identity. So now whenever I'm in a situation where someone is not doing their part, I've always been this person. So I'm gonna just be this person, you know? So mm -hmm. it, that's, that's the other vicious thing. So it all started with an initial unhealthy relationship that formed me as a little girl. And their relationship started with an initial unhealthy relationship mm -hmm. that formed mm -hmm. their patterns as little girls and little boys. So that's why it's so important to break that cycle because for better or for worse, as parents and, and any individual with influence over younger children, you are you, you're creating a cycle. You're starting something in them before they even know that it's being created. Even if you don't know that it's being created, it's happening because it's God's natural order for things. Yeah. You know, what specifically, what, what did God reveal to you? What did you, what, the workbook is part of the process. What are some of the big insights or big changes that that God worked in you that allowed you some freedom from this? How did you, you know, what did you see differently? What have you experienced differently? Yeah, I think the the freedom really came in being able to say, there's something else at work here. We're not just terrible people. Yeah. And that even rolled over into so many of my relationships to start going I mean, I know that the situation is really terrible and their behavior seems really terrible, but I just wonder what else may be going on there. And that just gave me a freedom to say like, man, I can, I can trust and believe that like, this isn't just me wanting to be rebellious. It's not that I don't love God. It's not that he's not granting me repentance. 
there is something else going on here and I can partner with the Holy Spirit through that. That's also what helped me release my ex-husband from all of the things that I held against him because it's like, man, there's also something at play for him as well. So now it becomes much more about partnering with the Holy Spirit and relying on him to reveal those root things. Because again, a lot of the times it is unbeknownst and that created a different level of dependency on God that I needed, that I didn't need when I was just trying to check the boxes. Oh, well, if, if I just have all the things that I know to do, I, I didn't need God. But this new revelation started to say, show you can't do this without me. I'm revealing mm. to you how deep this goes that in everything that you do, you're going to have to rely on me for the Holy Spirit inspired insights that man can give you and that you won't necessarily be able to just read a Bible verse and know what's in you need to get out of your life, you know? And so that, because I mentioned I had grown up Christian, I made Jesus Lord, but even in that time frame, having Jesus be Lord was a very religious thing for me. It was about what can I do and what can't I do? And I'm going to become really good at staying within the box so that I can be a good Christian girl and stand before God one day and know that I, I did it. And he's just like, no, this was all about relationship. It was never about checking the boxes. And I'm just like, what? What? I mm -hmm. thought you wanted obedience, you know? <laughs> so yeah. that part, too, of stepping into relationship with God that is messy and not always black and white and a windy yeah. road, being able to embrace the windy road as opposed to just feeling like everything is always just going to be straight and narrow. And as long as I got my rules, I, I can get through this thing. God was really inviting me into a level of freedom that also came with Manchel. I, I truly want to partner with you. I want to help you. I want you to rely on me, not just feel like you have to go at it alone and figure it out. And so that completely transformed my relationship with God, even being seven or eight years in, you know, which yeah. was cool. Yeah. Dang. Do you remember, do you remember having any, like, was there a breakthrough moment when it was, and maybe there wasn't, or, or moments, a process, I don't know, but where you went from, here's the shape of my Christianity. I, I'm obedient. I should get a good relationship because I'm obedient. I'm checking the boxes to God wants to partner with you. Like he likes you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is there? I, I think that, I think that God kept presenting me with opportunities to put that kind of faith in action with, which oftentimes looked like opposing the thing that would have seemed like the good Christian thing to do. And he's still teaching me that now. So I did kind of have that that kind of radical moment of like, wow, God is inviting me into something different. But then I still had to choose that different at, at different opportunities. And so when someone might bring up someone else who was divorced or someone who might be in a certain type of sin saying like, maybe that's God's plan. And people going like, what? Divorce would never be God's plan. I'm like, I think he can cause all things to work together for the good, y'all. It's, it's interesting like that, <laughs> you know? Or, or choosing to walk away from the church that I have been a part of, just acknowledging that like, man, I don't feel like the spirit is here. And, and, and that being enough, you know, to be like, hey, God is really calling me to step away from this. I know it doesn't seem like a good enough reason, but I just got to move in faith and trust that he's leading me and guiding me. And through that, he's continued to build my faith and in, in going about my relationship with him in this way by seeing the fruit of partnering with him in some of those decisions that started to continue to come up even 
after kind of the the big realization. Yeah. Oh man, that's I agree with what you just said. Like I I I'm like, yep, amen. But I I confess that I'm like, it's terrifying to say that I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Just because I, because yeah. I think it's so I don't know. There's yeah, to it doesn't matter why. There's all kinds of stuff that comes up in my brain about my from my own past, right? But yeah, like that God has asked us to. I think it's just really trust him, mm. like trust that trust actually him and listen. Yeah. Because he might ask you to leave your church. He might ask you to go through. And he's going to yeah. use even the sin and the pain. And I believe that, but it's it's much easier to say it here than it is to go through it. Yeah, for sure. I had someone recently refer to it as the radical middle, where it's it's really easy to choose if you want to go to the left or the right. Left. Mm. Okay, this set of beliefs and what's wrong and what's right. And that's what I believe. And then right. This set of beliefs and what I put. But what about the middle where sometimes that feels blurry and I don't know what it feels like God's heart may be for this, but I'm also kind of a little empathetic towards this, you know, and that that's hard <laughs> to be able to yeah. be like, I don't know that I'm ever going to be in a place where it's definitively going to be one or the other as the world defines those things. Most of the time I'm. I'm in the middle and, and people don't like that. And that feels risque, right? That feels yeah. like you are not going to hold God enough. You are not going to hold holding people to the biblical standard enough if you want to feel like it can be crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so we'll often, people like us who, who may agree about those things, will often be the ones who people will come at because of it, because it, it feels so unsafe to, to not choose a side. Yeah. I think you're onto it there when you say it feels so unsafe to not like I man I feel that and and I get the I get the reason why people want there to be clarity and and I think I even believe there is clarity but to acknowledge that in the personal working of that out there's frequently not yeah and I'm not sure exactly where in the flow this will be but in the podcast I just interviewed a guy a, a Catholic priest named Ronald Rollheiser. So listeners, you can go back and find that episode, but it, he said this brilliant thing, which kind of is exactly what you're saying, which is he, he said he heard a sermon where God is compared to a GPS and he's like, what's going to go on here? You know, but, but basically it's that we can go off on all kinds of different tangents and all kinds of different routes and God loves us and sticks with us. And he just is always like, well, recalculating. You know, it's like, it's this just dedicatedness of he never, he never stops. He's always like, okay, well, I'm still going to get you there. Yeah. And boy, all those things are scary. So, yeah. Hello there, Back Porchers. This is a quick reminder that there's still time to sign up for our September prayer retreat. Come spend three nights in the beautiful Colorado Rockies with God. There's delicious home-cooked meals and lots of support and encouragement to talk to God honestly. Truly, these are restful and life-changing retreats. Come join us. Visit signpostin.org events to see all the details and to sign up. Also, if you're local to the Canyon City area, we have a live and in-person conference on Saturday, October 7th, all about learning to hear Jesus and his compassion even in the tough parts of scripture. This conference is perfect for people who are skeptical, as well as for those who want to help their skeptical friends. 
Come join us from 9 to noon, Saturday, October 7th, at the Free Church in Canyon City. You can pre-register for this event at signpostn.org events, and it's only $25, so you, what have you got to lose? Please come join us for one of these events. Thank you so much, and now, on with the show. I do want to talk to you about life coaching, but before I do that, in my experience currently, I think a lot of young men and young women, the the marriage question is the big question. How do I know who to marry? How do I avoid all the problems? What ifs? <laughs> From where you are now, I know that you have now, you're, you've since remarried, and that's part of your ministry, in fact. I guess... Maybe maybe the question is as simple as just what have you learned? What's your advice for those young people who are trying to check all the right boxes so they don't wind up with a horrible relationship? But you know, there's no guarantees. What what's your what have you learned? What's your advice? Yeah, simply put, is to embrace the journey because even now in my current marriage, there's still things that come up. <laughs> There's the, I, I thought there was going to be like the whole been there, done that, so that won't be a thing anymore. No, this is a whole new person with a whole new set of his own things that we are now working to deal with together. And so the biggest thing that I've had to learn to do is embrace the journey. That was a huge part of my unhealthy mindset before was that, well, if, if, if this road seems too bumpy, maybe it's the wrong road. It's mm. like, or it's the right road and it's just not easy. <laughs> Or it's the right road. And it's simply not easy. In America, we spend so much time trying to avoid pain, <laughs> trying to avoid things right. that are yeah. not easy. And it's like, maybe it is the right road, even though it's hard. As an entrepreneur, I can say the same thing. As mm -hmm. a Christian, I can say the same thing. As a married mm -hmm. woman, I can say the same thing. None of these things are easy, but they're all things that God has called me to. So that's what I would say is, man, embrace the journey. And, and as things come up that start to signal that there needs to be help or something needs to be adjusted, I, I kind of talk about it like the lights coming on in your car. You don't go sell the car because your check engine light comes on or because you need to go get gas. You don't throw the whole car away. You take care of the issue. That's embracing the journey. So that would be my advice is to pay attention to the signals that are coming up. Get involved in some community where people can help you identify mm. the blind spots and just be committed to doing the work to have a successful whatever, as opposed to just feeling like turbulence means completely wrong turn. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. The <laughs> And again, like I feel very, you know so seen in some ways it's like so much of my own issues in my marriage in my life everything else have come from this like this feels bad so it it has to be wrong mm -hmm. you know it's like thank god i haven't in my marriage haven't sold the car because of the problems but in so many other places in my life i have sold the car because the warning light came on and those are the decisions i regret mm -hmm. you know that have really caused pain or really it's like yeah. I love that. I love the analogy of just because the road is bumpy doesn't mean it's the wrong road. Like maybe it's still the right road. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's shoot out here, you know, that works so well for us Coloradoans. It's like, it may be a four wheel drive road, my friend, but <laughs> you know, like at that, at that point, well, good, go, 
go figure out how to put four wheel drive on and, that, and, exactly. and do what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Okay. So thank you. All right. Tell me a little bit about life coaching. What, what is life coaching? First of all, I think people who listen to this show, we talk a lot about spiritual direction, obviously. Yeah. What, what do you do as a life coach? Yeah. So the way that I like to describe life coaching is as you think about it in the context of a coach in any other realm, if you have a basketball coach, they are giving you strategies that if implemented will lead to success of winning the game, winning a championship, whatever the goal is. So similarly for a life coach, when you come to us with this overarching goal, we're going to be responsible for drawing that out and then leading you to a place where you can set tiny goals that will then equate to the larger goal. So it can even be something that feels kind of mystical as opposed to tangible. I want to better understand why I respond in this way. Okay, well, let's let's talk about that. Um, and then we'll get to the point where we say, okay, now that we know this, what goals do you want to set to be different? What am I holding you accountable to this week specifically? So it's working with someone to bring the big vision down to literally this week. What are you going to be doing? And then holding them accountable in that cycle to get them closer to that desired outcome. Mm. So who would you, like, if, if somebody's listening and they're like, do, do I need a life coach? Who, who needs a life coach? How do you decide? You know what I mean? Yeah, someone who needs accountability. So going to counseling is, man, I just need someone to talk to. Coming to life coaching is saying, I need someone to hold me accountable to reaching this thing. So it's those individuals that have these goals and yet they keep fighting themselves, sort of coming back around the same mountain. And keep saying, I'm going to lose the weight. Keep saying, I'm going to go to church. Keep saying, I'm not going to choose the same type of man. And yet here I find myself. That's because you need accountability <laughs> in mm. trying to do it yourself. And so that person who, yeah, just needs that accountability and help in, in reaching those goals. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Actually, one of the, uh, Adelie Bale is uh, on your staff. Yeah. Who, she's a longtime friend of mine as well and w referred someone to her for life coaching, which was really cool. Right. And in a career situation, basically. Mm -hmm. exactly this kind of like, how do I pick a career? And I keep picking the wrong one. <laughs> and yeah. it's very helpful to have. Yeah. I, I see that as being super helpful to have somebody uh, help the person break down the goal and then mm -hmm. do it, actually do it. Cause goodness mm -hmm. gracious. Don't we all have trouble with that? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. If you had, this is just kind of a fun question that's come to me here. If you've had, if you had, free platform, which you do. Here's your free platform. What's the, what's the, what's the thing you want people to know? What is it that you, that drives you or that, that you're passionate about that? You're like, you know what? I've got five minutes. Here's what I need. Here's what everyone needs to know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And it's fun. I like that question. So the first thing that comes to mind is I would like scream from the rooftops. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> there are all these blind spots, man. And I get really passionate about helping uncover those blind spots. People don't know what to attribute certain things to. And I think that's just Satan's greatest tactic, right? <laughs> that's mm -hmm. a form of deceit, you know, to always kind of have you thinking and focus on something else as the issue when it's really this thing over here 
that you're not actually looking at at all. So that's what it would be to really get serious about being proactive in those things and not just reactive. Most of the time we wait for the light to come on, right? And be like, oh crap, I need to do something about this. But what if you were just going to get the car checked as often as you should anyway, <laughs> you know, then you wouldn't have to worry about it. And so, yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would say that know that there's just so many things that you don't know. And it is important because they, they are working behind the scenes to produce some type of result. And so if you are someone who is finding yourself in these cycles that are not proving to be beneficial, something else is at work that you need to take some time to identify and put a real plan towards overcoming. Yeah. This, this has been something that's been on my mind a lot lately. It's, it's the idea that what you're talking about is that idea that so much of it is a matter of attention, like what I'm paying attention to. And this is so deep. Like my, my, like my philosophical side runs with this big time of, you know, we, we have, we are aware of the stuff around us, but only in a very narrow sense. Like I'm not aware of so much right now because it's not very important to what I'm doing. Yeah. So, you know, and, and so much of our mechanisms for thinking, all perceiving everything are created to filter stuff out. And that's well and good. I mean, that's, that's right. But it, it, it there, but we are, but then it, it fails us when you're in, you're caught in a pattern of behavior that's not helping or when you're stuck in a codependent relationship. The mechanism that should be seeing the warning light or should be noticing the sound or should be aware that this is, I, I keep in the same unhealthy, destructive loop is not working and have, you know, and God, others, the church are large, are sometimes there to help bring attention to that. Exactly. And that and that is the importance of community and, and why the Bible talks about even the body all needing each other, because in community, someone is bringing something to the table that you need, because the only thing that I know is what I've already experienced to be true. So if no one ever revealed to me that though that was a real experience, that was not God's desiring, my reality would just be truth. We need people in our lives that can expose those things that are off. And that, again, is just the value of community because someone else is bringing a different reality to the table who can, who may be able to challenge that to say, no, I didn't grow up like that. My mom and dad's relationship actually looked like this. And it was great. And it's like, what? There are men who don't cheat on their wives. Right. If you've never been exposed to it, you don't know. And so community opens us up to that level of exposure. Yeah. This just occurs to me as being, I guess, a struggle that I've had and I think I see other people have. I don't know if this was relevant for you or not, but what allowed you to be open to a different perspective that, or 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 was that just, are you just kind of naturally open to other perspectives? Because like, I guess the reason I'm asking the question is, at least in my experience in some of those areas, being open to the community's different perspective was terrifying. And I wasn't willing to for a long time. It kind of God, you know, there's God had to bring me to some pretty low places for me to be like, okay, I'm willing to listen. Did you experience that? Or I think I've I've always grown up in community. 
So I think it, it's in some ways, there's a part of my life where I've always been engulfed by others. I'm an only child, but my mom was one of eight. So I grew up with a lot of cousins, um, a lot of aunties and uncles, all of those things. So there's always been a lot of voices, if you will, in my life that I've had to sift through in one way or another. I think also just as a Christian, you know, coming into the fold and seeing the value of community biblically, I will say when I felt like community failed me is when I clammed up and I was like, nope, I don't want y'all to be And there was an unhealthy tendency towards that before I felt good enough again to be like, okay, your perspectives are now welcomed. And I think that that was necessary because I had placed people's opinions and their words over God. Mm. I was going to them before anything else. And so in the way that he always does, God works through that kind of hardness of heart to replace himself on the throne in my life. And then I could re-enter back into those relationships with a fresh perspective. So I did have a season where my heart was really hard because I felt like I listened to y'all and y'all failed me. So mm-hmm. I listened to y'all no more. <laughs> but it wasn't healthy. It wasn't healthy at all. And then again, like I said, I kind of re-emerged back into community after that season, being able to do that in more of a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's helpful. That, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, Shell, I, I very much appreciate you being as open as you have been and sharing the story and what you do. Um, is there anything else I should ask other than let me tell people, first of all, your website is just straight up a radical relationship.com. There's a lot more there than just life coaching there and and the blog. You guys have been doing your own podcast. You've got mm-hmm. small groups. Actually, let me ask you about that really quick because that was something I asked. You have several different like small group on online, in person, right? Like connect places where people could get connected to some community. Yeah. And I have such great vision for that, even fresh vision that the spirit has been putting on my heart. So the small group started as a way for me to help gather women in like-minded communities that they needed, not just as a Christian, but in whatever stage of life that was important to them. So if it was about being single, okay. If it was about grieving, great. If it was about being in the healthcare field, okay. So not just making it common to Christians, but like what's important to you in this season of life and and what other women in that season of life do you need to be surrounded by? Let's create a space for that. And it is now kind of evolved my vision for it as well into giving men and women who want to create communities a space to create communities for other people to be too. So at first it was about just me creating the space and the community for men and women. Mm -hmm. But now I realize that there are so many men and women who feel called to something and and want to create create community around something, but they don't want to have a radical relationship ministry. You know, they don't feel called to ministry. And so helping men and women understand like, you can be a minister of the gospel and you can do all of these same things and you don't have to feel like you need to be a small group leader at your church or a pastor or anything. You just need to get together one other person. <laughs> call it a small group, call it church and get together. So that's my that's my passion. So um, we've had two um, kind of initial rounds of those small groups that we were learning from and the second was better than the first. And so now we're at a space where um, this fall we're going to start uh, launching those uh, in quarterly cohorts down that we feel we've kind of got it down to what we want with that same goal in mind, kind of come one, come all, if you want to create community or be part of community. 
start it, join one, and let's just see what the Lord does. Cool. Yeah, I, I think so needed. I mean, it is so, so hard to find like-minded people, especially, you know, those of us who live in small towns or it really doesn't matter. Honestly, I mean, you can live in a big city and it's still hard to find someone who actually loves Jesus and is, is dedicated enough or serious enough about learning. And and so it's, yeah, folks, if you're interested, check out the website. And I know this fall, a lot of those groups will be kicking off and it's a great place to connect. So yeah, it's a radical relationship.com and shell. Thank you. I it's, it's been delightful to have you on the back porch. Yeah, this has been really, really good. Every time that I have an opportunity to speak in this way, it's, it's such an encouragement to me as well because it serves as a reminder. It can be easy to feel like, okay, that season was that season. God has done something new. We're moving on. It kind of is not as applicable. But being able to have the opportunity to share my story is a reminder of the scripture that tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And how God is always going to be using the thing that he did in that season <laughs> to encourage others and to draw others to him. So appreciate the opportunity just to, to be able to encourage your listeners through this podcast episode, but also just the encouragement it is to my faith to just be reminded of what God has done. So thank you for that. Well, yeah, thank you. And listeners, thanks for joining us. If you have any questions, please shoot me an email at podcast at signpostin.org. We will certainly try to answer all of those, maybe put them on the show. And if you have been listening for a while, I really want to ask you again to do a rating on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a five-star rating, throw a review in there. It really helps people find us. We've been slowly growing and kind of exciting at this point. So I, I would really appreciate it. If you haven't given us a rating or review yet, please do. You don't pay anything for this show. so. That's how you could pay us. You could just pop a review in somewhere and tell us, tell other people how awesome it is. If you have a friend, please send them the episode. Every one of your podcast apps has a share button. I know it. I've seen them all. I've used them all. So click the share button, put this into a text and say, you've got to listen to this episode. It's really awesome. That would be a huge help to us as well. But thank you guys. And may the grace of Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Signpost In, a nonprofit Christian ministry dedicated to helping people connect with God and find direction. We offer spiritual direction, retreats, and lots of other resources like this podcast. Please visit us at signpostin.org to learn more. We especially want to thank our generous donors who support our work and keep this podcast going. If you've benefited from something you've heard on this show, please consider supporting us by making a tax-deductible gift at signpostin.org donate. That's signpostin.org slash donate. And thank you.